Welcome to the RAF Mildenhall Protestant Parish Podcast. As you prepare your heart to receive today's word, we pray that you are encouraged, inspired, and uplifted. seated. Y'all give our praise team a round of applause, please. I was uh, I was contemplating trying to hit some of those notes and I was like, nah, the spirit led me against that. I was, I was like, no, I got to say something later. <laughs> so uh, it is once again, good to be here with you and good to see you all. I know y'all could have been a lot of other places. Uh, but you are here today, and I'm thankful to God uh, to see you again. Um, and I see that uh, we are bundled up a little bit, right? It's, it's a little chilly, so get warm, get cozy. Yes, yes. Um, happy Sunday. Uh, I hope everyone's having a great weekend. As we look to dive into uh, this particular passage, um, uh, yeah, it's, this... Uh, Weekend, I want to just remind you all just to do something, do something nice for yourself, right? Make sure you do something nice for yourself. Uh, travel, date night, whatever that looks like for you. I'm kind of at the age now where uh, a good midday nap sounds awesome. Uh, so, uh, but you know, my kids, uh, they don't want me to live my best life. But if whatever that looks like for you, um, uh, definitely uh, take care of yourself. I hope. Um, that you can say that you've been having a good weekend. And if not, I hope today we'll be able to revive you, bless you, and the word of God will restore you uh, in, a, in a mighty way. Uh, so with that, uh, let us dive right into our text today. This is a familiar text. Last time I was with you, we came from this particular text. Uh, it is coming from Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And we will uh, read 11 through 24. However, there's only a few verses I want to focus on today and draw out. So Judges chapter 6, verses 11 uh, through 24. And the Bible says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, and his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon answered him, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up, bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has cast us off and given us into the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you, he responded, but sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike down the Midianites 
every one of them. Then he said to him, if now I have favor, if now I have found favor with you, then show me a sign that is you, uh, that it is you who speaks with me. Do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a kid and unleavened cakes uh, from the ephah, a, fl a flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought to him them to him under the oak and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put it on this rock and pour out the broth. So he did. He did so. And then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff, of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. The fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived, then Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, help me, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace to this day it stands at Ophrah which belongs to the Bezerites all right that was a lot y'all still with me okay all right all right so I have a question for you y'all ready yeah okay I have a question for you before we dive into this y'all like my hoodie yeah 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 I want to show it off oh let me get a good look for the camera to show it off real quick that's my uh the the uh, hoodie for the airman's ministry uh that uh shameless plug that meets on tuesdays here at the chapel 1800 yeah yeah so that's the airman's ministry hoodie and um you know they, they got some nice merch so i'm wearing it today uh, i'm wearing it because uh they've inspired me uh the airmen that come to the bible class and um come and ask questions and get involved uh, they inspired me uh, I absolutely love them and I am encouraged by these young folks because uh, they ask questions and they want to learn to sharpen and build a relationship with God and sharpen and strengthen their own relationships uh, and so this past Tuesday uh, I uh, was teaching the Bible class and um, they asked some real questions uh, some tough questions in some ways, and I ended up coming back to this passage to speak to that. And so, uh, the message uh, and the title of this sermon is an echo, echoing and clarifying sermon that discusses what we talked about last time I stood before you. Uh, what did I say? What did I say? Or better yet, what did God say? What did God say? So to recap, real quick, um, last time we were together, we talked about um, what is said about us, what other people say, what we say about ourselves, but more importantly, what God has to say about us. 
uh, we came to realize that sometimes we let other people and our predicament tell us who we are. And then we start saying it. And sooner or later, we start believing it. And when we believe it, we start to walk in it. And that's a very dangerous space to be in. And so to avoid believing the lies of the enemy, because y'all know that the enemy knows that you're going to be successful because God wouldn't call you to something that he was going to have you fail in. That doesn't make sense, right? And so the enemy knows you're going to be successful. And the only way the enemy knows you can stop that success is if you do it. If you believe something that God didn't say was true, right? And so to avoid that, uh, you want to ask, what did God say about you? What did God say about you versus what others and even what you may be even saying to yourself about you? Believe what God said and what God has declared over what those haters may say, over what those so-called friends say, over what even some family has to say. Uh, your circumstances and life experiences. Now, sometimes our circumstances and life experiences speak to us, right? I can't trust people because of this. I can't love because of this. All right now. Uh, and fears and thoughts. Fears and thoughts, that negative self-talk, right? All of these things can poison our hearts and minds and distract us from what is really being said by God. And so whatever the enemy throws at you to discourage us, distract us, disconnect us um, from what you are called to be, we must remember uh, that's likely uh, something that we need to stop. When we're in those spaces, we need to stop and ask ourselves, what did God say? What did God say? What has God declared and what has God spoken over our hearts and over our lives? And so this is what Gideon's struggling with. As you may have seen, as we read, he has a lot of questions. He has a lot of questions. And not only does he have a lot of questions, he wants you to back it up. I need you to prove this. I need you to say something. I need you to show this. And so this is where Gideon is. He's struggling with this. He's struggling with this question. Who he is and what has been said about him and his tribe. But as good Christians, we know what the answer is, right? It's not what anyone else has to say. It's what God has to say. Let God be true and every man a liar, right? And so ultimately, this is where we came to. This is the, uh, the solution we came to in our Bible class. At least so I thought. At least so I thought. I thought that I gave a good little talking speech, and I thought I was saying something too. And they was looking at me intently. I thought I was preaching. I was like, yes. And so uh, ultimately, you have to listen to what God wants you to do versus what you want to do. Stamp, exclamation point, let's go home. And then there was a question. And it was a good question. Because I thought, you know, you know, I've been in church a long time. I, that would have been the time we say amen, wrap up, and go home. Right? That was, that was I felt like I, I put it in there. But then a hand was raised and asked the question. And he kind of looked at me. He said, okay, I hear you, chat. You said, listen to what God has to say. 
Listen to what God wants us to do versus what we want to do. And so he stops and he says, but how do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know it's God? How do I know that it's what God wants from me versus what I want from me? How do I discern whether to go left or to go right? Now, once again, we criticize Gideon, but, and it's a, it's a legitimate criticism. However, if we're being honest, Gideon's not the only one that struggled with this question. Gideon is struggling with this. And I remember thinking, the first answer that came to me was the typical answer. I had to bite my tongue. It was the typical Christian answer, right? Well, how do I know what God is trying to say? Fast and pray, right? Fast and pray. Read your Bible and wait on the Holy Spirit. Do all of those things. And, and I have no problem with that. I really don't. But I had to remember who I was talking to. These are young airmen trying to figure it out. And they're like, yeah, you're... you're your spiritual rhetoric don't, don't sit with me. I need a real answer. You don't have to come better than that chat. And so they, when they're looking, when they ask me this, they're not looking for the super saved answer. They're looking for, hey, I need a practical answer. Give me the real, real. How do I know what is the difference between what God is saying and what I'm saying? And I had to sit with it a little bit. And, uh, and I remember thinking, well, actually, I think someone might have said, uh, well, everything is in that book. Talking about the Bible. Everything you need is in that book. And I could see the faces. They're like, okay. Everything's in the Bible? And I said, yeah, it, it, it is, but not the way you think. Right? Because they, they would ask me. They did. Everything's in there. Now, let's be honest. Not everything, at least the way you ask and understand it, is in there. Oh, I might be shaking some theological trees now. Not everything's in there. How do you know, chap? Okay. Does scripture specifically tell you to join the military or not? What about to set that PCS or not? What about that girl you was dating? I know there was a couple. I just knew. Whew. And I can look back now and say, thank you, Jesus. But did it specifically say, hey, Benjamin, you need to marry this girl right now. He didn't specifically say that. Now, there's a lot of inferences and things we could put together to try and understand that, but he didn't specifically say. Right? And that's oftentimes what we're asking for when we ask God to speak to us. We need the specific answer. God, I, I don't want no blows in the wind. I don't want you to, you know, uh, whisper something, I need you to tell me this, that, and the third. 
And I tell my wife, I'm hard-headed, babe. You got to tell me. You got to tell me. If you want me to go left, that's what I need. And a lot of times that's what we're asking for when we're asking God to let us know what he wants from us, what God is looking for from us. And so I had to be honest. I knew that it didn't specifically say that. And so I needed to take a step back, sit my holy hiney down, and uh, dig a little deeper and think about what I needed to do to explain to these young airmen how to discern what God is saying and what I may be saying. Now, before I jump into that, let me pause just for a second. And, um, and as holy as, and as connected as we may seem, I think this question is good to ask, to ask, how do I know? And I don't think it's uh, sacrilegious or anything like that. I think it's good to ask. I think it's important to ask, how do I know? Am I sure that this is God talking or is this my desires talking, right? Uh, this is good because I believe all of us need to stop and check to see where we are, where we are with God. And we have to be honest with ourselves. This is nothing that I can do for you or anybody else can do for you. You have to be honest with yourself. Because sometimes we can lie to ourselves. Sometimes we can lie to ourselves and make excuses and say, oh, well, you know, God wouldn't want me to do this, then, you know. We have to be honest with ourselves about what God is really saying to us and what God really wants with us. And so to ask this question, is it important? And it's good for everyone to do. Okay. And so we ask this question. How do we know? How do we discern what God is telling us? Well, the answer, it's not the super saved answer, but it kind of is. The answer I have for you is develop your eyes to see God. Develop your eyes to see God. Now, I know y'all are looking for something amazing, right? Like, chap, that sounds almost the exact same thing as what you just said earlier. What is the difference? Hang on. Let me hang with you. Let me explain. Develop your eyes to see God. I know it doesn't seem much better, but I want to push this analogy towards you. Because once you see God, once you truly have the eyes to see God, you develop the eyes to see God, you are able to better discern what God is trying to show you. The problem is, is that sometimes we struggle to see God in every situation. When things get tough, when things get hard, we don't know how to move or what to say. And sometimes because we don't see God as clearly as we would like, or at least in the way that we would like, it robs us of our peace. And this is where Gideon is. You see him questioning, verse 13. You see him wrestling with this. But sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted to us? What, is all, what happened to all that good stuff I keep hearing about? I ain't seen it. I'm here hiding from our enemies. We're supposed to be this mighty nation. And here I am in a wine press, hiding. 
Didn't the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now here's where he is now. And let's be honest, sometimes we feel this way. This is where he is. But now the Lord has cast us off and given us into the hands of Midian. So we see that he's dealing with some doubt. His life experience has told him that God isn't here. Whatever God was doing back then, or whoever God was back then, he's not that for me. I ain't seen it. This is where he's wrestling and this is what he's struggling with. Because of his circumstances, he's not able to see God anymore. His eyes aren't able to recognize God. And so he asked for a sign. Verse 17, we see this. Uh, then he said to him, Gideon, if now, and you, you, could, you could almost hear the sarcasm. I didn't read it that way, but you could only hear this. If now I have favor with the Lord. So now you want to talk to me? You ever had that, that friend? Oh, so now I, you can see me. He says, so now if I have favor with the Lord, prove it. Show me a sign. Show me a sign that this is who speaks with me, that you are who you are. Show me a sign. And the crazy thing is, is that he needed a sign to prove that the divine being was who it was. Now, I haven't seen a divine being, but I feel like I would know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But I feel like I would know. You realize that a divine being was speaking to him face to face. Imagine, just, just, just imagine in your own Christian imagination, a divine angel being comes down to speak with you face to face. And you say, you know what? I need more proof. I need more proof. Because his eyes wasn't developed to see what was right in front of him. His circumstances, his situation, everything he has experienced, he has told about himself, told himself, everyone else that has said about him, has had him to believe certain things, and now he sees the world in a certain way. And so when the divine being comes down to talk to him face to face, he missed it. He missed it. He doesn't even realize who he's talking to. He doesn't have eyes to see. And sometimes if we're being honest, sometimes we feel that way because we've been lied to so many times, we don't know who to believe. We've been let down so many times, we don't know who to trust. We've been forsaken, forsaken and betrayed. And so we don't know if we can ever fully Walk in faith. And so his circumstances have made him unfamiliar with what God is showing him. And so he doesn't have eyes to see it. And if we're being honest, we are just like that. We are. We are. I'm about to prove it in a second. Y'all ready? Okay. 
All right. The answer to the question, once again, develop your eyes to see God. There's a certain lens, there's a certain eye that you have to see things in. Do you know what makes a good professional photographer? You know what makes a good professional photographer a good professional photographer? It's his eye or her. They're artists. And so they see things differently than what some of us may see. And it can come off as a superpower. If you've seen some of the things that I've seen, and I have an example for you, but not yet. If you've seen some of the things that I've seen, you'd be like, wow, how did you see that? They developed an eye to see things that sometimes we can overlook and run right past. And uh, I want to use an example uh, from our very own Elder uh, Jamal Ray. Uh, y'all know that we have a professional photographer right here. Did y'all know that? Did the camera give it away? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have a very own, and I had to lean on him for this one. And when he was talking to me, I got excited. I was like, ooh, they don't know what's going to hit them Sunday. Yes. Yes. Because he has an eye for something that a lot of us overlook every day. How do you know this chat? Okay. When y'all walked in, y'all know it's fall, right? When y'all walked in, did y'all see something? There was a bunch of leaves on the ground. Did y'all see those leaves? Did y'all see them? Someone's like, yeah, I saw the leaves, but did you? Can you describe any one out of the hundreds of leaves that are on the ground right now? Can you describe any one of them? In detail. Well, it was kind of brownish yellow. detail. You know what I mean. Can you describe any one of those leaves? Or do we just write it off and even sometimes stepped over or stepped on those leaves that was laid right in front of us? As I was consulting with uh, Jamal, he was telling me the story about how, uh, so a little background context. Uh, this is the time when his wife was out deployed serving her country and serving us. So he's at home, his kids are great, but it's still a responsibility taking care of home, making sure it happened. And not only is he taking care of home, he's taking care of us. So he was here on Sunday, making sure we were taken care of, doing everything he needed to do, and did it with a smile. Didn't matter how tired he was and everything else, he did it with a smile. And then he goes home. And as he goes home, he steps up to go into the house and he sees this on his doorstep. He sees this on his doorstep. Now, there's so many things, I'm gonna try not to get off topic because there's so many things I want to say right there. Like, just, just questions, like, how did he see this? How did he see this? I mean, we can look at the picture now and we're like, yeah, of course, that's beautiful. But how did he see this? 
Because I can tell you right now, there's a bunch of leads on my doorstep right now, and I'm contemplating sweeping it all off. I haven't even thought about taking a picture or seeing the beauty and majesty that's in that picture right there. I walk right by it. You know, my, I probably step right on it. My kids probably step right on it. But after all of that, as he comes home and looks on his doorstep, he sees this. It stops, takes a picture. But if he thought that was nice, it doesn't end there. Watch this. There's more. That picture is also this upcoming picture. Now, the first picture was nice. But if you had the eyes to see the first picture, I don't know if I had the eyes to see that one. It's the same leaf. It's the same leaf. But now you get to see the detail, the beauty of every flaw, of every vein, and the reflection and the, uh, the changes that that water droplet makes, that one water droplet. Now, out of everything that's going on in his life, he stops and sees that, that one water droplet sitting on the leaf. And if that wasn't enough, it doesn't stop there. Because he has such a good eye, because he's such a professional, because he's developed his eyes to see things that some people don't get to see and walk past every single day, he sees this. Now this, I wish I, I, wish I had the time. See this, the same leaf, but now he's able to take what was presented in front of him and put it in front of a light to show and see and show things so you can see things that you couldn't see within the shadows. It was presented to him. And now because of just an angle, because of reflecting light, because of a different sight. Now, you can see something very different. It almost looks like that leaf came to life. Looks vibrant, looks healthy, even though it was on the ground. All because he had an eye to see it. Now, I say that to say, that sometimes when we're looking to hear and to see God, that's exactly how we are. We miss what God has been saying to us and what God is trying to show us because we're looking at what God is speaking to us and what God is presenting to us, put it right in front of us on our doorstep. And we see it just like every other leaf. We miss what was powerful and right in front of us. And Gideon was like this. There's a lot of leaves out there. And if you're like me, you saw none of them. 
Not truly. Gideon saw a lot, yet saw nothing. Gideon saw a lot, but yet saw nothing because he was looking for something very different. And so he was asking for a sign when the sign was right in front of him, but he just didn't have the eyes to see it. And so Gideon needed someone to show him something a little different. He needed somebody to point it out, which is what a sign is, right? A lot of times we think of signs as miracles and different things like that, which they can be, but ultimately a sign is meant to show you something. How do you know that, chap? Start driving. Guess what? There are signs on the road. And the signs are there to show you something. Hey, there is construction ahead. Hey, your exit is coming up. And if you're like me, you're going to go past it anyway. A sign is meant to show you something. But you have to have eyes to see it. And so we see in verse 22 that somebody had to point it out to him. And so once he's actually able to see the sign that is right there in front of him because this angel had to do some things. You see in verse 22, then it, then it clicks for him. Verse 22 says, then, this is after the sign, Gideon perceived, then Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, help me, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. This sea is different. So now he's not only making eye contact, he has understanding now. He has recognition. He has eyes to see what's been put right in front of him. And so the question is, what or how do we know? What did God say and how do we know? Well, the answer is, you need to develop eyes to see. Develop eyes to see what God is trying to show you. When you do, you get to see this world in a whole new way. Because it's always there. Sometimes we just don't have eyes to see it. I remember when uh, me and my wife were expecting again. And uh, we were looking. We said, ah, we may have to upgrade this car. There's not enough room. So we was looking at the Pacifica, right? And uh, we went and we checked it out. And we liked it. And then we saw the price. And we was like, maybe next year, baby. But after that, guess what? I started seeing Pacificas everywhere. Everybody had a Pacifica. Simon Bowen had a Pacifica. The person across the street had a Pacifica. Driving across every, I was like, where are all these Pacificas come from? They were always there. I just didn't have the eyes to see them. Family, I want to encourage you today that sometimes we wrestle with what God is trying to do and what God is trying to say in our lives. And we want to know the way we want to know. 
We want God to tell us the way we want him to tell us. Give me a sign, God, and don't, don't give me the sign like the leaf. I need you to tell me. I need you to show me. God is like, no, I've given you everything. You just have to have eyes to see. Okay. That sounds good, chap, and I like that. But now that kind of begs another question. How do you develop eyes to see? I'm not going to preach another sermon. So, okay, we're going to end here. But what I will do is I'll give you three things to consider. When you're wondering how to develop eyes like the photographer as a follower of Christ, you may want to do some of the things that the photographer did to develop the eye, to see what no one else sees. One, you may want to study. I know that we have iPhones now, and we can take beautiful pictures like that, but that doesn't make you a photographer, trust me. I thought that the iPhone was gonna make me a photographer, and it did not. I'm not that good. So there's more that comes to it. You need to study. You need to learn the ways in which to do what you are trying to do. So as a Christ follower, gain knowledge, understanding, study the word. Learn what God is asking of us. Learn the nature of God. Be able to witness and to see those patterns and those things that God is showing us. And just like the photographer, when you walk through, you'll be able to point out some things. Ooh, I was just reading about that. Let me take a picture. I was just studying that. Let me capture this. Second, surroundings. Surround yourself with a solid group of people. For us, surround yourself with a community of faith. People that are trying to hear God just like you are, that are going to encourage you and lead you down the right path. Some people, if you're like me, may need someone to say, hey, you missed this. Because I can guarantee you, if me and Jamal was walking past that leaf, I would have walked right on by it. But because I'm with Jamal, guess what? Stop. Look. Do you see this? And sometimes in our walk with God, we need somebody that's going to be walking with us and say, stop. Do you see God in this? Look. Look at this. Zoom in on this part. Now pick it up and look at it. And last but not least, start. Start to apply what you've learned. A lot of times we want to wait until we've got it all together. But the reason why this is a development is because you have to work on it. It's a journey. So apply it. Just get started. There are going to be times where you're listening for God and you're saying, yeah, I think God wants me to go this way. And then you go, you're like, nope, that wasn't God. That was somebody else. And that's okay. That's okay. Because that's why God gives, gives us grace. 
as we're learning and striving to walk this Christian walk, to walk in our calling and what God has asked us to do, it's okay. We're going to make mistakes. But we're going to keep trying. Just get started. We're going to keep trying to shoot for the goal that God has for us. Family, if you can think and remember to study, surround yourself, and to start, then you'll be on your way. You'll be on your way to seeing what God is trying to show you. Just those three things. Just try it. See how it works for you. As we close and um, look to sing uh, the next song uh, with our praise team, I want to remind each and every one of you that this journey that we call life is not going to be easy. My grandmother used to say, if you haven't gone through something, just keep living. But I want to remind you to not let it skew or blind you for what God is trying to show you. As a matter of fact, I want it to strengthen, to urge you, to light that fire within you, to seek God even more to discover what God is trying to show you in this time and in this space. If we're being real, that's where Gideon is. This wasn't, an, this wasn't something that was small. His family, his people, his way of life was being raided and tortured and tormented day after day. They lived in constant fear with the promise of this God that's somehow going to stand with them and save them. And the reality is, is that we can be in those spaces. We can find ourselves in situations where we're like, God, how did I get here? We pray and we pray and we're wondering why we haven't heard or seen anything. My encouragement to you is to keep going. Don't allow your circumstance, anybody else, to tell you something different than what God is trying to tell you. Keep going. And if it helps, once again, just break it down to the three things that I encourage you to do to study. Surround yourself. And to start. You do those things. It may not be right away. But like Gideon, you will finally, down in the later verses, perceive what God has put right in front of you. And so family... I, I pray that you are able to develop the eyes to see what God is trying to show you and that you help other people 
just like Jamal, to see what they're walking right past them. That's all I have for you. We pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and share. Thank you for stopping by our station. And until next time, may the peace of God be with you.